Good morning, everybody. If you had paid real special close attention to that, we would just go ahead and dismiss. Because it basically said everything I'm going to say today. But since I saw you doodling around and looking around and not paying good close of attention, I'm just going to have to remind you of it, okay? Open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. As you came in, you should have picked up one of these. If you didn't, I'd love for you to have one because on the inside of it, it's going to be a listening guide that I want you to fill out and follow along with today. Does anybody need a bulletin this morning? Raise your hand up high. Brother Leonard needs one. Dustin needs one. These guys will take care of you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're in a series entitled why do we believe that um, everybody on planet earth has a belief system everybody on planet earth has a world view and our belief system and our world view is probably one of the most important things about who we are and god has given us the freedom to believe who he is or not god has given us the freedom to believe his word or not but there's consequences. How many knows, even from the time as a child growing up, we have freedom to make choices, but every choice we make has a consequence or multiple consequences. Amen? And so my advice to you today would be to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God allowed him to be crucified and that God gloriously resurrected him from the dead on the third day. Believe that. And I challenge you, too, to, with your mouth, from that faith that is in your heart and through a heart of repentance, confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why do we believe that? This morning we're going to be looking at the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of creation. And there's a lot to this, so we've split it in half, and today we'll be looking at part one. So let me just pose a few foundational questions to you this morning, and you just answer them in your mind, in your heart. These are just rhetorical questions. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Are we the product of an intelligent designer a creator if so why did he create why did he create the heavens and the earth why did he create mankind why did he create the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom why did he create all those things and if there is a God and if he is the creator and if we are the product of that intelligent design and he did choose to create all that we know what is his relationship to creation? Now, fundamental questions like these have baffled the minds of humanity since the beginning. Since the beginning. But they're honest questions, aren't they? They're, they're thought-provoking questions, aren't they? They're challenging questions. Some worldviews when they're confronted with these foundational questions, when they're confronted with these challenging questions, when they're confronted with these, the crushing weight of these questions, they simply just say, I don't know. 
and they throw up their hands in defeat. Postmodernism doesn't even attempt to give an answer. If you're a postmodernist, you're on, you're on your own to make the best sense that you can out of such questions. Naturalist, naturalism, the juggernaut of the scientific elite, they pretty much avoid these questions. They, at, at best, they skirt around them. They dodge the question because they too don't have the answers to these questions. What about the evolutionist? the Darwinian evolutionist. With them, it's not about origins, where did matter itself come from, but with the uh, evolutionist, it's about beginnings. How, how did humanity arise as one species among all the other species? So, where could a person possibly go to find the answer to the questions that I've posed to you this morning. Maybe the Bible? Maybe Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? Maybe the very first sentence that God has delivered to us and revealed to us? The book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. And aren't you thankful this morning that the Word of God, the Bible, is not bashful, when it talks about these things? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Say this with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's say it one more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what I want to do this morning in talking about the doctrine of creation, let's begin by simply concentrating on the very first ten words of God's Holy Scripture. The very first ten words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created. God created. Do you believe that? Say amen this morning. God created. Therefore, creation owes itself not to chance, not to impersonal forces, but to the one true God that Chris sang about this morning. The one true God. God created. God created when? In the beginning. God created. God created in the beginning. God created time. He, he's preexistent. He's eternal. God has forever been and forever will be. Matter doesn't exist yet. Matter comes later on. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So all that we see, all that there is, all exists and owes itself to who? Almighty God. Almighty God. Unlike many, God's not embarrassed about the biblical worldview. I hope you're not embarrassed about a biblical worldview. He doesn't bury this account deep within Israel's history because he's timid and apprehensive about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't say, you know, this, this truth might be too hard for my people to understand. Uh, so I'll just introduce it later, you know. I'll just kind of soften the edges and, and make it more palatable, uh, make it more compatible to humanity's way of thinking. God doesn't do that at all, does he? 
No, instead, what does God do? He boldly and he confidently declares in the beginning, I, God, created the heavens and the earth. We've got a lot of people asking a lot of questions this day and time, don't we? And if you're searching for the answers to some of the most pressing and to the most puzzling questions in life, let me just say this. Look no further than right here. The Word of God. I promise you the answers to life's most pressing questions, the answers to life's most puzzling questions can be found in God's Word, in Scripture. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Now, whether you know it or not, there is an enormous amount of theology in these verse, first ten words found right here in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 1. For example, now listen closely. Without the first ten words of Scripture, without the account of creation, there is no Christianity. If God didn't create heavens and the earth, then there is no Christianity. And if there is no Christianity, we're left as we were born, dead in our trespasses and sins, and there is no hope for you, no hope for me, and no hope for humanity. The Bible establishes the proper interpretation and the place of human beings in the world. It teaches the original goodness of God's creation. Multiple times God said, that's good. That's good. And that's good. God's creation was good. It teaches the original goodness of the world. And it also teaches what went wrong. And what did go wrong? God gave instructions and mankind failed to follow God's instructions. Anybody in here guilty of not following God's instructions? How'd that work out for you? It's a mess. It's always a mess. When we don't follow God's instructions, it always ends in a mess. But the beginning of history also points to the end of history. Aren't you glad that we have a complete book of God's revelation that tells us in the beginning and in the back of the book it says the end. As life as we know it here on planet earth. But then all of eternity breaks forth and those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior were finally taken home to spend all of eternity in a perfect place called heaven. Aren't you glad for that? So the beginning of history also points to the end of history. It goes creation, it goes fall, it goes redemption, and then it goes to the new creation. John said he saw the new city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven prepared. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, don't worry, don't be troubled, I'm going away. I'm going away to prepare a place for you say me i'm going away to prepare a place for you and jesus made the promise if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and i'll receive you to myself that where i am you may be also that's the best news i've heard all day 
Jesus went away to prepare a place for me. And if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's gone away to prepare a place for you. And when he gets it prepared, he's coming back to take us home. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now all of this that we're learning today, all of this that we are affirming today, it's hugely important, especially in today's age of skepticism especially in today's age of never-ending skepticism. What does the word Genesis mean? The word Genesis simply means beginning. Beginning. It's the beginning. Moses penned these words down. Now, of course, Moses wasn't there when God was creating things. So how did Moses learn of the creation account? God revealed it to Moses through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Moses wrote it down. Moses wrote it down. Just like the book of Revelation, which speaks of the end of all things, it was revealed by God to Moses. So this raises the question about how Genesis 1 and 2, how, how should it be read? If, if a man wrote it down who wasn't there, then how are we to trust that this man really received a revelation from God and really knew what he was talking about. How do we know he didn't make things up as he went along? We know that and believe that by faith, don't we? Because we tried Scripture again and again and again. We might fail, but guess what never fails? The Word of God. The Word of God never fails. So this raises the question about how should we read Genesis 1 and 2? How should we read the creation account as has been pinned down. Is it, is it mythical? Is it simply poetic? Is it scientific? I mean, it's not a scientific textbook, is it? It's not. It's, near, it's not merely giving cause and effect as if we live in a natural world governed by impersonal forces. And it's not just a book of poetry either, is it? No, it's the living Word of God. It's the living Word of God. The primary purpose of Genesis chapter 1 and verse chapter 2 is to give us a theology of creation, especially God's relationship to creation, especially humanity, mankind's. There's many parallels between this account and the various pagan accounts of the time that Moses lived and actually was writing these things down. And that shouldn't surprise us at all, should it? It's what we should expect. Is God wants his people, after he delivers them out of the land of Egypt, to shed itself of the polytheism and the paganism of the Egyptian people. Therefore, it's the points of difference it's the points of difference, not the points of similarities that are the most significant. Namely, Yahweh, God, as the covenant Lord of all things. Now here in 2020, here in 2020, if you meet somebody on the street and you dare begin to tell them that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what kind of conversation is going to arise out of that type of statement? A lot. Most likely, most likely you're bombarded by a barrage of questions like, well, well, what about dinosaurs? Well, how old is planet Earth? I, I hear it's millions and millions and millions of years 
old, but you Christians believe it's only thousands of years old. What about carbon-14 dating? What about the fossil records? What about evolution? And on and on and on. So what does God say about creation? This morning, here's what I want us to do. I want us to discuss and consider seven specific statements from the Word of God, taken directly off of the pages of Scripture, seven biblical truths that we find in God's Word about creation. Beginning with this. God created everything out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. Here's what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. God created everything out of nothing. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. Not when God began to create. In the beginning, God created. In other words, God created without the use of pre-existing materials. He didn't somehow stumble across some type of cosmic Play-Doh and began to refashion it and to shape it out of what already existed. In the beginning, God created. He spoke and things came into existence. Listen what the Word has to say about creating the universe out of nothing. Hebrews 11.3 We have faith. So we understand that everything that was made, I'm sorry, we have faith. So we understand that everything was made when God commanded it. Nothing pre-existed. God created. That's why we believe that what we see was not made out of what could be seen. God spoke, let there be light, light. Everything that exists, God Spoke. We have faith so we understand that everything was made when God commanded it. That's why we believe that what we see was not made out of what could be seen. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. It is written, aren't you glad that God has revealed truth to us today? It is written. Listen to what God says. I have made you a father of many nations, speaking of Abraham. God considers Abraham to be our father. The God that Abraham believed in gives life to the dead. Abraham's God also speaks of things that do not exist as if they do exist. Why? Because God is the creator. Psalms 33, verses 6 through 9. The heavens were made when the Lord commanded it to happen. All of the stars were created by the breath of his mouth. By the simple breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together. He puts the ocean in their places. Let the whole earth have respect for the Lord. Let all the people in the world honor who? Honor him. Honor God. He spoke and the world came into being. Do you notice that the New Testament perfectly agrees with the Old Testament? Why? Because it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. He spoke and the world came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. It stood firm. 
And because God created the entire universe out of nothing, if you believe that, say amen. amen. There's no matter in the universe that is eternal. Nothing created is eternal. All that we see came into existence when he spoke it into existence. There was a time when matter didn't exist. Psalm 90 and verse 2 says, before you, were, before you created the world and the mountains were made from the beginning to the end, you are God. So what does this do? Creation... Creation strikes a fatal blow to naturalism, which suggests that in the beginning, matter already existed, that God simply took what pre-existed and molded it and shaped it into what he wanted. But that's not at all what the Word of God teaches us. The Word of God teaches us that in the beginning, God created everything out of nothing. The Bible says in the beginning. It doesn't say that matter Created, it says that God created. So the first truth is that God created the world out of nothing. Number two, number two, God created all things. Say all. God created all things, both visible and invisible, both in the heavens and the earth. Now this is clearly proclaimed in the very first verse of the revealed Word of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But not just there. Listen to the universal statement in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 3. Say all. All things were made through Him. All things were made through Him. Nothing that has been made was made without Him. Nothing that was made was made without him. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You are worthy because you created all things. They were created and they exist. That is the way you planned it. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When the believers heard this, say believers. And if you are one, say I am one. When the believers heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Lord and King, they said, you made the heavens, the earth, and the sea. You made everything in them. It is the ultimate act of worship to declare with unity as believers, God, in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. Now, the inclusion of heaven and earth and everything in them indicates that it was God who created the entire universe. The creation of the entire universe includes the creation of the unseen things and those things that are seen, the spiritual realm of existence. In addition to creating the visible, tangible, physical universe that we see and can touch and enjoy, God created the angels and the heavenly beings as well. He also created heaven. He also created heaven as a place where his presence is especially evident. You think we have some good times worshiping God down here? You wait till we get home. 
You wait till we are completely and totally in his presence. You wait till we shed these earthly bodies, these sinful bodies, these sinful thinking minds. You wait until we're perfect like he's perfect. You talking about worshiping God for all of eternity. Woo! Can't wait till we get there. Amen? This is, a, this is explicitly stated, as I've already said, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament alike. In the book of Nehemiah, listen to what Ezra prays. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. You are the one and only Lord. You are the one and only Lord. You made the heavens. You made even the highest heavens. You created all the stars in the sky. You created the earth and everything that is on it. And you made the oceans and everything that is them. You give life to everything. Everything living, every living being in heaven worships you. The host of heaven. Who is the host of heaven? The angels and the heavenly creatures that we don't see, but they exist. And since Ezra says that they engage in worshiping God, the same term host is used to speak of angels who worship God in Psalm 103 and 148. But in the New Testament, in his letter to the Colossians, Paul specifies that in Christ all things were created by him. He created everything in heaven and on earth. He created everything that can be seen and everything that can't be seen. He created kings, powers, rulers, and authorities. Everything was created by him and for him. So God is the creator of all things, the, the physical as well as the spiritual. And guess what? Everything was created by him and everything was created for him. We got a saying around here. Y'all may have forgot about it. I haven't said it in the last seven days. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about King Jesus. Amen? Now, something that, that, that's a foundation to build on right there. That'll eliminate a lot of problems in your life. That eliminates a lot of problems in my life. It eliminates a lot of problems in our lives. When, when we know and realize that whether we believe it or not, the truth of the matter is, it's not about you and it's not about me. He created everything and he created it for him and his honor and his glory. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Number three, God created time. God created time. I've got one request of him. Slow it down a little. Slow it down just a little. Always heard the older folks say, the older you get, the faster it goes. And I thought, no, it don't. Yeah, it does. Especially past that 50 mark. It's almost like you hit 50 and everything speeds up 50%, doesn't it? Absolutely. I can say yesterday and I have to catch myself. And I think, well, it wasn't yesterday. It was two years ago. God created time. Physics tells us that time is a property resulting from matter. The succession of moments one after another, which depends on the existence of a material substance. Where did all that come from? God created it. God created it. Accordingly, time exists when matter exists. 
But God isn't matter. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. God created matter. Before matter was created, God existed. So it takes matter to make time. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created time. And since there was no matter, and since God doesn't change, time didn't exist and therefore held no meaning and relationship to him. So when you start asking God foolish questions, like, God, what's taking so long? Know that you're talking to a God who created time for your benefit, not his. Okay? That's why God is an on-time God. Because he's running on his time, not your time. And we could praise God and thank Him for that. That's why He can say in verse 1, in the beginning. In the beginning. He created the beginning. Not only in the beginning did He create, He created the beginning. He created time. So what exactly does that mean? It means that God isn't bound by time like you and I are bound by time. God doesn't get in a hurry, but we do. God's existence is independent of time. He created the reality in which we live. And not only did he create you and me, he created the time-space continuum in which we exist. Can we just pause right here and give God a hand clap of praise for how amazing he is? Can we do that? In Psalm chapter 90 and verse 2, Before you created the world and the mountains were made, from the beginning to the end, you are God. Doesn't that change the atmosphere of 2020 just a little bit? God's God. But what about God's God? What about you fill in the blank? God is. God is. Revelation 1.8, man, alive, this will, this, hey, unless your wood's wet, this will start a fire right here. Listen close to Revelation 1.8. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last says the Lord God. I am the one who is and who was and will come. I am the mighty one. Now that settles a lot of issues right there, doesn't it? That settles a lot of issues. Psalm 102, verse 26. They will pass away, but you will remain. Ain't that good? They will pass away, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a piece of clothing. You will make them like clothes that are taken off and thrown away. But you will remain. You will remain. These verses settle the argument that God is eternal. And in contrast, it also confirms that the universe is not eternal. The Bible says the, the stars and the heavens and the earth and all created things one day is going to pass away. But John saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven. They will pass away, God, but 
you remain. The universe had a beginning, so that means the universe is temporal. It's dying. This strikes a fatal blow to our uh, evolution friends who look for a time-space answer to the problem of the beginnings. Why can't you just take it by faith that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Since God has no beginning, he has no time-space limitations. So, God not only created the universe, he created the time-space continuum that the universe exists in. Number four, God created how? By his word. By his word. What's one of the common refrains found in Genesis chapter 1 through the beginning of chapter 2? And God said, over and over and over, we read, and God said. Ten times in the Genesis account, we find those words, and God said. Why? Because God created by his word. God simply spoke, and it was done. If you remember, we discussed in the first message that God's word is necessary for salvation, but it's also the means of all of life as we know it. God said. And so we see that God's word brings both life spiritually and physically. Brother Steve, how old am I going to live to be to the very day that God said that you were going to live? Why, why am I allowed today? Because God spoke you into existence. He formed you in your mother's womb. And as he was forming you in your mother's womb, he gave you an expiration date. And that's the way it's going to be. The point is unmistakable. God calls things into existence by his word. God spoke the universe into existence by his word and created something where there was nothing before. He spoke and it was done. And so we see that God's word brings life, both spiritually and physically. Hebrews 11, verse 3. We have faith. Boy, I hope you do today. Can, can, can you say amen right here? We have faith. Amen. Yes, we have faith. And because we have faith, listen here, so we understand. Yes, we understand because we have faith. We have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. He's our teacher. He's our God. He's our wisdom. And because we have faith, then we understand that everything was made when God commanded it. There should be no question in any believer's mind when, how, and why. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's why we believe that what we see was not made out of what could be Seen, explain that to me. God said it. God creates with his word. Pause and think for just a moment. Pause and think for just a moment about the power of God's word. The power of God's word. The picture of creation is not God sweating and toiling and laboring for years and years, if not millennia. No. In a relaxed form, God simply said, let there be. And it happened. What power. His word is effectual. It creates. 
The world doesn't just turn at God's command. It hangs on God's word. The picture is not one of trial and error like some crazed, wiry-haired, wild-eyed inventor scratching his head. I'll get it right if I keep this up. That wasn't God. What God created was perfect when he created it. God's word is powerful. It creates. And God's word is perfect. It creates exactly what he intended to create. Number five, we need to know this and understand this, that creation is a triune act. We talked about the Trinity last week. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Though distinct in their uh, job responsibilities and what they carry out, one in person, one in person. Creation is a triune act. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, what? Let us. Let us. I, now, I didn't pay close attention in English, but I did get this. Us means more than me. Right? Us is more than one. Now, when God said, let us make man in our image, who was he talking about? He was talking about himself, God the Father. He was talking about Jesus Christ, his Son, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Creation is a triune act. Then God said, let us make man in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish in the waters and the birds of the air. Let them rule over the livestock and over the whole earth. Let them rule over all the creatures that moves along the ground. Yes, God the Father was a primary agent. And we see this in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in texts such as Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens tell about the glory of God. The sky show that His hand created them specifically god the father right specifically god the father but god the son also created look at john chapter 1 and verse 3 all things were made through him now in the opening verses of the book of john who's he speaking of the lord jesus christ the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, all things were made through him. Nothing that has been made was made without him. So God the Father creates. God the Son also creates. Look at Colossians 1, 16. All things were created by him. Him who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He created everything in heaven and on earth. He created everything that can be seen, everything that can't be seen. He created kings, powers, rulers, authorities. Everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus. But guess what? God the Spirit also created. He's generally pictured as completing, as filling what is empty and giving life to God's creation. The Bible says when God created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being what was that breath of God the Holy Spirit of God Genesis 1 hints at the preserving and sustaining function of the Holy Spirit when it says in verse 2 the earth didn't have any shape and it was empty darkness was over the surface of the ocean at that time the ocean covered the earth the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters Job chapter 33 and verse 4 the spirit of God has done what made me the spirit of God has created me the breath of the mighty one gives me life Psalm 104 verse 30 
when you send your what? When you spend your when you send your spirit, you do what? You create them. It's the spirit that brings life. It's the spirit that brings life. You create them. You give them new, you give new life to the earth. In John chapter 6, we see that it's the Spirit of God that indwells a person upon the act of God regenerating a person, upon being born again, giving spiritual life to that which is spiritually dead. In John chapter 6, verse 63, the Holy Spirit does what? Gives life. The body means nothing at all. You take a body and you remove the Spirit and you have death. And you have death. The words I have done, what? Spoken to you are from the Spirit. And guess what the Word of the Spirit does? They give life. They give life. So the Father creates, the Son creates, and the Holy Spirit creates, bringing new life. Number six. Number six. The universe God created is very good. But Brother Steve, it's falling to pieces. Well, it is in the process of decay, but sovereign God is managing the decay. I just don't know if this thing's going to hold together until the Lord comes back. Who do you think's holding it together until the Lord comes back? The Creator. Sovereign God. Sovereign God. The one that created it. We messed it up. We tore it up. We tore it apart. We are the reason that planet Earth is in the process of dying. Why? Because we disobeyed God's perfect plan. But even when we mess things up, God still has life under control, and God still blesses, and God still loves, and God still redeems, and God still and continues to speak life. Aren't you thankful for that today? The universe God created is, not was, say is, the universe God created is very good. Well, I don't think it is. Well, you're a liar and he's not. What God created is good. It is good. What's the constant refrain in Genesis chapter 1? Verse 31, God saw what? Everything he made and it was not just good. It's very good. There was evening and there was morning. It was day six. What did God do in creation? God delighted in creation. He delighted in creation. He delighted in the creation that he made just as he purposed to do. Anybody besides me ever bought something in a box that has instructions and lots and lots and lots of pieces? Have you ever perfectly... I'm, now listen, when I say perfect, I mean you didn't have no pieces left over. Nothing stuck out the funny way. I mean, when you got done, there was no extra pieces and it looked just like what the box showed it was going to be. Did anybody ever done that before? Thank God. Thank, I feel better about myself already. I thought I had some mental incompetencies going on or something there. But what about God? See, God didn't have an instruction manual. God didn't need any tools. God didn't have to go buy it or order it or have it shipped. In the beginning, God created 
the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And God said, this is very good. Now that should build your confidence up a little bit about this world in which we live and this universe in which we live and even the universes we know nothing about, yet they exist because God made them too. God saw everything he had made and it was very good. Yes, sin has marred the world. Yes, sin has messed the world up, even to the point that creation, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it says that creation groans, groans, saying, God, please come fix us back to where we was before mankind messed us up. But God says it's good. Now, what does this do? What does this fact do? This knowledge frees us from false asceticism, that is, the belief that the use and enjoyment of God's material things are wrong. God gave us everything he gave us. He said, rule over it, use it, enjoy it. Yes? It also puts the rest the foolishness of global warming alarmists. We're going to melt this place down in the next 20 years. We've got to stop this. Hey, it, it's going to melt one day. And it could be in the next 10 or 20 years. But it'll melt with fervent heat when God strikes the match. Until then, guess what? We're okay. We're okay. Planet Earth has been put here for our enjoyment, and it'll be here until God says for it not to be here anymore. It's very good. Very good. Number seven. Number seven, God created the universe to show his glory. Again, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. God created the universe to declare, to present, to put on display, to show his glory. Both humanity and the universe were created for the glory of God. Can I say that again? Both humanity and the universe were created in the beginning by God for the glory of God. Psalm 19 in verse 1. The heavens tell about the glory of God. Not the glory of man. Not about the glory of creation, but the heavens tell about the glory of God. The skies show that his hands created them. The song of the living creatures in Revelation chapter 4 shows that God's creation is to give God praise and glory to the creator. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord and God. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You are worthy because you created all things. They were created and they exist. That is the way you planned it. See, we're designed and created to glorify God as his creation. In the heart of every person that ever has lived, is living, or ever lived, or ever will live, is a heart of worship. Now, not everyone's worshiping God, but everybody is a worshiper. Everybody's worshiping something or someone because that's what our heart does. 
But those of us who have been born again and saved, like in Revelation chapter 4, you are worthy, our Lord and God. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You are worthy because you created all things. They were created and they exist. That is the way you planned it. God planned for you to worship Him because He's glorious and He's wonderful. That's why God can say in Isaiah 43, 6, I will say to the north, let them go. And I will say to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar. Bring my daughters from the farthest places on earth. He designed it all so that he could bring glory to his name. You know, Daddy used to tell us when we was little, you're getting a little too big for your britches. Y'all ever heard that? It's a hillbilly saying. Maybe not everybody's heard it, but I think you get the gist of the message, don't you? Listen, son, you're getting a little too big for your britches. What? You're thinking a little too highly of yourself. And how many know Daddy had a way of bringing you back down? Huh? And it wasn't with words. He used alternate persuasions, let's say, all right? That's politically correct. He used alternate ways of persuading us. And then when he got done, guess what he had the nerve to say? I love you. Well, you ain't showing it one bit right now. <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. You've not lied to me yet, right? But God designed it all so that he could bring glory to his name. It's not about me. Not about you. It's all about him. But it's important to understand that God didn't need to create anything for Him to be glorified. He is glory. He is glory. He doesn't need you to glorify Him. He doesn't need me to glorify Him. He needs nothing. God is glorious all by Himself. Again, this proves it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. By himself, he is infinitely glorious. Yet, yet and thankfully, God chose to create what he has created. He created it to take delight in his creation and his creation powers. So God created the universe to show off his glory didn't he do an amazing job? He did an amazing job, didn't he? Would you stand with me as we pray? I don't know where your heart stands with God today, but you doing God does. And whether you're in this room or whether you're watching through our live stream ministry, here's what I want you to know. Although it's not about me and although it's not about you and the fact remains it's all about God, God loves you. God loves you. And God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, whoever trusts Him, as Lord and Savior, will never perish. When God sends His wrath upon this planet and 
everything is destroyed, God will spare you if you trust His Son and believe in His Son for salvation. God's got a glorious plan for your life, and it's eternal life. And whether you have been saved or not, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can believe in your heart that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. And you can believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of all sinners. And if you believe that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead after He died on the cross. By believing that in your heart, today you can declare with your mouth, Jesus, I need a Savior. And you are the one and only Savior. And I claim you as my Savior today. And here's some of the sweetest words in all the scriptures. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from your self-destructive ways. Saved from having no hope and no future. Saved from the penalty of your sins. And saved from a place called hell. I beg you today, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, would you call upon Him today, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I receive you. I turn from myself and I turn to you. I'm helpless and I'm hopeless. God, today I receive you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I don't know everything about everything. But I do know that I've sinned against you. I've broken your rules. I've done things I ought not to do. And I've not done things that I should have done. And God, I'm sorry for that. Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that after they placed him in that tomb on the third day, God, I believe you gloriously resurrected him from the dead. Jesus, you are my Lord. And I believe in you, and I trust in you. And I give you my life. And from this day forward, I'm trusting in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.